Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another programme. Now, through the benefits of um, the great technology that we have today, I am sitting here in Dhaka in Bangladesh and via a a computer I'm speaking to um, somebody that I like to consider as a very good friend of mine. Uh, We don't see each other very, very often, but this is a man who, um, I hope he won't mind me saying, and I I know he's a very humble man, so I'll get it out of the way quickly. Somebody I've got an enormous amount of respect for, somebody that I stumbled across when I was looking for something in my life, and um, I'm really pleased to be able to bring him on. He's one of my favourite human beings, and uh, he doesn't know that, but he is. And um, as I say, I've got so much respect for him. And the, the gentleman's name is Granville, Granville Cousins. So, hi, Granville. Hi, Rob. Well, Good to hear from you. Great, and th- thank you for coming on. And um, just a little introduction to Granville, and I'll let him explain um, a little bit what he, what he does in a minute. But um, Granville is, a, is a, amongst other things, he's a yoga teacher. And that was the reason that um, I, I stumbled across him when I was looking for a yoga teacher. And the time I spent with him and the things he taught me and the, the, the practices that I still do today have been such a fundamental part of my life. And um, I can't thank him enough. So, um, Granville, you, you've done so much for me personally, but um, I know you've done lots and lots for other people. So, um, just to kind of kick us off, just tell us what it is you, you do now, Granville, so that people have got an idea of, um, of who I'm speaking to and what your thing is at the moment. I'm a full-time yoga teacher. And uh, before, I, before I became a full-time yoga teacher, I was a, a part-time yoga teacher and a full-time joiner. I was in the construction industry. Yeah. Uh, but never, I enjoyed the, the joining, the building trade, fantastic experience, um, but never felt like the right balance for me. So... Um, when I kind of came out of the building trade was, and was able to pursue um, yoga as a full-time profession and and more than that, like um, as a vocation, yeah. then uh, it kind of my life, just everything just seemed to slot in place and, and line up. So I kind of became a, a full-time yoga teacher and a part-time anything else, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, because you, you did mention to me that when you, and you told me a couple of funny stories about you were doing your practices, and you—you sometimes you were late for the on site with your with your tools when you still were doing your joiner, and you had to go around the back and get in through the back window. Is that right? Oh, I remember, I, I'm surprised you still remember stuff like that. Yeah, I, I was I, no matter how close or far, I was always late for work every morning. So I kind <laughs> of uh, I was always, always at odds with the foreman on the on, on the building site. So I used to kind of stand and hide, and then the the foreman would be waiting for me coming in, and then when he when he wasn't looking, I used to run around the back and climb up the scaffolding and spread my tools out and yeah. <laughs> as, if been, as if I'd been there. And, but basically, yeah. it, 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 well, it basically came to the point that um, rather than be working on, on an hourly rate, I, I went like um, on what you call price work. So then that meant I just kind of, you know, you, you get paid for, for your production. And that was just the beginning of me becoming self-employed because my practice was so important. I knew that 
you know, I had the morning time to do it. And basically, you, know, you have to you have to get up early, you have to leave, you're getting all the traffic, and it's just like it, to keep a practice going and, and to get to work for like I don't know, eight o'clock yeah. in them days, you know, with all the traffic and stuff. It was just hard, so um, I decided to on price work, and they just uh, expect me to, to come in late, but I used to stay a bit later. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I and that's that's kind of how I kind of got by really. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been all right because they, they, they didn't they didn't sack me so often. And, yeah, yeah. Like a couple of times, but not very often, you know. Yeah, I yeah. Did all right, really. Yeah. <laughs> Johnville, how long? I mean, I know there's an awful lot of people in the world who have got passions and have got things that they love doing, but they go on the back burner because of work. We've all got work commitments and feeding families and all the rest of it, and mortgages and and, and bills. And how long were you in that state of dissatisfaction where your your practice became so important to you? Because I know, I know, with you. You know, you are a master of your trade in terms of your yoga and, 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 and your martial arts, which perhaps we can touch on. How long were you in that phase where you, you know, you kind of went through that push-pull thing of wondering whether I could do it full-time? Yeah, I think probably for about, about 10 or 15 years, really, because once I kind of started to develop my practice and then you start realizing the potential and what what is, you know, you don't really know how far you can go unless you dedicate yourself to it. So I think questions are always, well, can I dedicate myself to this? And it's finding something as well that you are, excuse me, passionate about. Um, so it was kind of a, a bit of a dilemma for, for about 10 or 15 years. But yeah. um, the, the decision wasn't totally made by me. I mean, um, once I'd qualified as a yoga teacher, it was quite late on in life. I think it was around about 40. I was actually uh, just, just qualified as an Iyengar yoga teacher. We'd been on a trip over to India yeah. to practice with the master himself at the institute. It was a three-week yoga intensive for teachers, so we just kind of qualified yeah. and very full of ourselves. Yeah. And then, um, and I was working uh, for for um, a joinery firm in in Middleton near where yeah. I lived. And I thought, well, if I'm going to India for three weeks, I, I mean, how do I know how long I'm going to stay over there? You know, I'm, yeah. it's India, you know. So I said, well. You know, will you hold my job for me if I go for, and I'm there for longer than three weeks? And they just said, yes, well, when you come back, you'll hold your job for you. So basically, I just went out on a one-way ticket. Yeah. And it was so moving to be to be in the company of, of someone like Iyengar, yeah. who devoted 50 years of his life to his discipline. You, you just got infected by it. I actually um, ended up staying three months in India. Um, you know, travel around quite a lot, you yeah. know, and met some good people. But when I came back to England, something had changed. And uh, I just couldn't get into the flow of things yeah. as, as it was before I went away. And then uh, just one morning, I was I was joining and my, my plan was to continue joining until I retired. And then I would probably go in, more into yoga. But I remember just this morning, it was after Christmas. Yeah. And I was taking the tools out of me, uh, just going to take the tools out of my Land Rover. I was refurbishing some houses. And all of a sudden, this voice just spoke in me and just said, Granville, you don't have to do this anymore. And I just says, yeah, you're right, I don't. And it was just as simple as that. Uh, the tools stayed in the back of the Land Rover. And uh, I just gave the keys to another joiner who was working in an adjacent property to mine. And they just said, what are you doing? I said, I'm... He said, you're not working. I said, no. I said, I'm going to, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to teach yoga. And that was the last time I stepped on a building site. Just as simple as that. There's no intention in my mind to do that. But I, it, it just felt that there was some other power yeah. that was kind of guiding me yeah. to do this job. So it wasn't though I sat down and plotted it. And, and quite a number of the decisions just were inspirational like that, you know. But it was the right decision. And I, yeah. and I just kind of listened to it. And it was the right thing to do. 
Yeah, that Janville, that is a wonderful story and it resonates so much. Did you, just one question perhaps before we move on from that, was there any, obviously you talk about the power of what in the India experience was for you, was there any kind of dilemma for you before that about where you were thinking, shall I shan't to give up? Or was it as clear as, as, as that, that it was just such a clarity of, of message that there was no, no concern? Well, when I was in India... I mean, it was on this intensive, and by golly, it was intensive with anger. I mean, he, he was just a master of his of what he did. It just raised you to a level you couldn't get to on your own. It was just the intensity of the practice. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was just such a revealing experience. And then, you know, when I came home, then you, even though I thought I was practicing hard yeah. and sincerely, you, you just realize that you, you're not even scratching the surface, really. Right. And then it's also being aware of the potential of where, of where the path can lead if you devote yourself to it. And uh, I have that kind of personality. I kind of, I'd, I'd like to do something, at least excel in something, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. like being a bit, being wishy-washy with things. And, uh, but I, I don't know, how, did I choose yoga or did yoga choose me? I think yoga chose me, really, uh, just because of my nature and because of what I needed to solve in my life. So when I actually made the decision, it, it wasn't a dilemma. I, I, I just knew I had to do it. It wasn't. I wasn't yeah. dithering. Yeah. Once once the decision was made to, to take yeah. a step and go full yeah. time, you did it. It was just as clear as daylight. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, just <laughs> go, going back to that lovely bit that you just said about when you were with Iyengar and you were in India, the being in his presence and working with him and maybe with other people that that took you to another level of performance, if you like, or another level of input where you pushed yourself, if I can use that word, to a level that you didn't before. And you didn't probably when you came back, or or you or you maybe you did, but you realised you weren't. Is that something that we all can learn from and actually move on to levels that we don't believe we probably don't have in our consciousness at the moment in terms of performance of the things we do, whether that's work or whether it's a practice or a passion. Well, the way I look at it is that um, we have varied interests in this life. You know, like yourself, you're into football. And there's other different disciplines, yeah. athletics and, yeah. you know, even sciences and all this. Thing. But, you know, there's, there's like a certain talent that certain individuals have. And, you know, it's like it's, it's not what they've learned. It's just like they have a, like a, a the born with the talent. They call it the X factor, don't they? Yeah. But the X factor is not manufactured. It's almost like something that you have. It might be because you have a, let's say, like you might be specifically flexible. You have that type of body or whatever. But I think um, with, with certain individuals, they just have it. Certain ones have, have a certain natural ability to do things, but whether that natural ability really um, blossoms, it depends on whether you, you have the, the, the other thing which I call stick to itiveness or tenacity. Yeah. And if you don't have the tenacity, you can have all the talent in the world and you, your candle just go out. Yeah. So I think the tenacity is actually is probably more important than the actual raw talent. But if you put the two together, yeah, and then if you have, say, one of those, if in one of those disciplines, when you do have the ability to make it your life, and then to make that step, and then don't forget when you, so like, if you're in football or in yeah. any kind of arts, you have like your personal mentor, you have the martial arts, you have your personal trainer, your 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 guru or your sensei. That person is putting so much into you as an individual, and it's almost like how how fortunate to be able to be in a position for somebody else to to dedicate their life to you to bringing you on as well so all these factors are, are, are working away but i think we have to get to the point of 
in our life when we have to know what we want to do. Yeah. Because there are so many distractions and it's very easy to be distracted and derailed off our path. Mm. I mean, the casualty list is just enormous, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, no matter how many people make a decision to follow their dream, the casualty list is enormous. Maybe you can't fully dream because you get injured or something, some personal issue that happens in your life. Yeah. But, you know, other people have tragedy and they come from the bottom. They just battle through. And I think you've just got to hold your hands up. And yeah. and this is what I experienced with Aang when I was in India with Aang because he didn't have a an, an easy childhood. He, he was a sickly child. He was born to a large family. He wasn't even brought yeah. up by his parents. He was kind of farmed out to his, it was his brother-in-law who had a yoga child. And he didn't even like yoga. He only did it because it was a way of kind of supporting yeah. himself through doing demonstrations. So, you know, you don't always have to be born in a fortunate situation. No. But I think what you do have to be aware of is that if you feel like you, you've got a mission and there's people around you to, uh, prepared to support you, well, you know, yeah. why not give it a go? <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. And, and what's really interesting, Granville, is that, um, you know, I, I spend my life trying to, to try and working on developing young people in in the world of football and, and amongst other things, but that's what I, what I'm a passion is and and you've talked about it there. If you can get the combination of natural ability, so you're doing something that you actually have a natural affinity for, plus that tenacity as you call it, which is probably the X factor because if you haven't got that, you won't stick at it. And a support network, whether that's an individual mentor or or somebody who keeps you on the track or keeps pushing you or or pulling you, I think those are certainly fundamental keys to success. And you know, it's it's wonderful to hear somebody who's in a different sphere like yourself who says, "Look, the, these in your experience are the other things that are, that are vital." And and you've lived that by you know your your story says that that's what you what you've lived mm. so it's um no it's great granville yeah. it really it is is or was or is dianga one of the the real keys or real mentors in it has been in your life well it, it was because um i mean i came from a, a pretty athletic background in boxing running and you know i was into all kind of sports cycling you know you're at school yeah. yeah so when you look at yoga or the yoga that was available at my uh, when i was young when i was about 17 18 years old it wasn't very physical. It wasn't a dynamic no. form of yoga. It's quite a passive form. And when you're young and you have all this energy, you know, it's, it's not like how do you make the transition from doing like really energetic sports to doing like a, yeah. a in like, a, like almost like an, a sedentary type of practice, which which yoga can be. And when Iyengar came along with his with his form of yoga, which is very energetic, it just kind of answered that that energetic level. It was a, a very physical form yeah. of practice so therefore you didn't feel like you was kind of missing out on that physical side that you need i think as a youngster yeah and uh so i i, I, I could exhaust myself just doing my yoga you know so basically i think the two things i kept going with me with me yoga after left school was the yoga and, and running yeah uh, i used to like going for a run and then i would do my yoga after I'd done the running or the, or the other way around i can't remember which which way now but but it was great because um you know i, I didn't totally leave athletics and it worked really well with, with my yoga practice, the developing yoga practice that I had. But I've got to say that, you know, we talk about support, the support network. I mean, the, the biggest support network was my parents because when I left school, I mean, I, 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 um, I trained and I went to college and everything. I was actually studying to be a chemist. Yeah. That was a profession. But I gave it up. And uh, when I decided to give it up, my parents never um, 
criticized or nope. condemned or anything. Nope. They they just we just talked. Yeah. And I was only about I was only about tw- I think about twenty, maybe twenty one, and we just sat down. I remember talking to him and I was going going through this struggle when I really needed to put all this energy into my yoga. Because things were just unfolding and they just they just um, said, you know, well, if you feel that's what is what you need to do. And I remember, I, I remember even the time like when I, when I was signing on the door, because we did in them days, it was like cool to have no money. And, <laughs> I, and it, it, you know, like in the, in the yeah. early 70s, it yeah. was like you could go all over the world with nothing. In your yeah. pocket. It was it was just great. You know, thumbing. that was a t- that was a climate then. But I remember like it was like it was the days of like when Bjorn Borg and Jimmy Connors were playing in Wimbledon. We used to have some fantastic summers. Yeah. And at our house in, in, in Middleton, um, I used to just come out in the morning in my trunks and put a mat down on in, on the lawn and do my, my yoga. And the neighbours, they'd be like in, on the balcony pretending to water the flowers and they were yeah. all kind of eyeballing me, doing all, you know. But it was like an exhausting practice. And then I used to sort of just lie down on the couch for a few hours and watch the tennis, you know. It's, and, yeah, and my parents yeah. was okay with it. Just let, yeah. let me... And I, I, can you believe that? It was just unbelievable. No, it's hard because believe, they weren't yeah. saying, you know, get up and do it. You know, they, no, just let me, just let me develop myself. No, Magic. That, that's wonderful. And um, <laughs> just just on that, Granville, um, there's been quite a lot of research into superstar professional footballers who've been interviewed and said, okay, who was the biggest influence on your career? And you know what? Most of them said, Granville, my mum. Well, right. Okay. You know, because <laughs> yeah, she, I can go with she that. Totally supported me. She never advised me. They never condemned right. and they never criticise. And and right. you know, I think that's a wonderful story and it's backed up by by what you say. And um just on that, a few weeks ago I was with um Danny Donerkey's dad Willie. And, oh yeah. Um, I was talking yeah. to Willie and Willie, Willie did a done a great interview and, and a lot of what he said revolved around the enlightenment he had when when he learned via somebody not to criticise, not to condemn. And he said, that changed my life, you know. And that's what you're saying was so beautiful about your parents, that they just allowed you to be who you are. And without that, your path may have been different, Granville, yeah? Well, well, I'm, you know, I mean, that's the first time I've heard that, you know. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was exactly the same in my case. Because I just remember practicing, and my dad used to kind of, um, sometimes he used to be stood in the house, he'd be looking through the window and watching me. Yeah. Or he would just kind of, just kind of, just sit on me stuff like you know you know you remember like when you have coal fires and we used to have like a coal bunker yeah. in the back garden and he used to sit on there he never said anything he just sat there and watched me yeah brilliant and uh it, it that's it he just sat in in peace and you, you think he'd be asking me why are you doing that stupid you know, it never nothing like that it was just always like it was like a mentor in, in, in the background way. who just listened unbelievable person what a yeah, wonderful way to describe mm. a mentor, somebody who's quiet and doesn't necessarily advise you, but actually is there, and by their presence and the way they are, they're, they're actually facilitating you as a person on your journey, which is, a, that, that's how I read what you're saying there. Um, yeah, that's exactly how it was, because I mean, they didn't understand yoga, No. so it was new to them, it was fairly new to me. So you can imagine me doing all this sort of stuff and their background was, was pretty tough, you know, and they'd kind of had, yeah. you know, like my dad had worked in mills and stuff like that. So he never had the opportunity to, like I had, but he, he didn't uh, try to guide me that, you know, he just let me develop in my own way Wonderful. from my own experience. And that was just absolutely magic. Yeah. Did, did, so, was, were you about 20 then, Grandma, when you started your practice? Is that how old you were when you got into yoga? 
the first time I ever saw you I was about 17. It was like a guy in a class. He could put his hands together in the back of his chest in like prayer yeah. position. Yeah. He's calling the master. He's like he was doing it in the class. He was in the sixth form. And he was the only guy who could do it, I think, in the class. So obviously, he'd been looking into yoga. We didn't know what it was. I mean, I couldn't do it. So that was the first time I saw it. But then when I left school, I would have probably been about 20, maybe 21, when I actually saw a program on the television. It was called Yoga for Health by Richard Hittleman. He was a, a Chinese-American guy, and he used to have this program on in the afternoon around about 3 o'clock. Yeah. It was like a like a 45-minute program. And he had these two lovely ladies on either side of him, a blonde lady and a long blonde hair, another lady called Lynn Marshall, with who was a auburn hair. And they did all the yoga postures, and he would just stand there and talk. Yeah. But the way he presented the program was second to none. It was just like he talked about nutrition, about the different elements of yoga, it was very understandable and believable. And, and I remember he used to make me own bread and I got into all sorts of, you know, yogic things just From because that. of him, really. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. He made, he made it seem possible, but he never did any yoga postures. You know, it's only yeah. two ladies did them. Yeah. But it was just such a way. It was, and then I just started, he had a book out and there were just diagrams, weren't even photographs in the books in them days. No. And they're pretty rough diagrams, but he bought the book and then he started doing the little practice sessions at the end. It's like 15 minutes. Practice yeah. sessions, and I just started following, following it. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Because you, you were also uh, into your martial arts, weren't you, Granville? At one time in your life, yeah. The way I got into martial arts was uh, through my yoga practice. I, I got into meditation and stuff, and then I hurt my knee. I um, I actually tore a cartilage in my right knee. Yeah. And uh, as part of the actual rehabilitation that the hospital, you know, you, you go into all the physio. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I'm doing all this physio, jumping off benches and running and skipping, I thought I may as well learn something that has that element in it. So um, somebody I knew in the, in the, from the meditation group um, was doing martial arts in Manchester in Moss Side. He said, I'll take you down, he said, if you want, and, you know, teach, introduce you to the teacher. So um, I met uh, the teacher there. He's called Chet Alexander, and with the martial arts we do, he like Chinese, Chinese boxing. But he's like he's like Thai boxing, um, but we, yeah. the forms were very similar to kung fu forms or karate forms. But the actual sparring was full contact. He's like Thai boxing, and I like I like the full contact. So while I was learning that, I was basically rehabilitating myself at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I mean, I never had any ideas about going for gradings, but I just. I must have been all right at it, and eventually, I kind of again Chet became my mentor, and I went through my my different belts and yeah. uh, got my black belt and came top of the grading and everything. You're in London; it was unbelievable. N not bad and, for uh, somebody who hadn't got any ambition, Granville. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it just kind of it just developed, you know. The journey yeah. just developed. Yeah. But again, it was like having that person who saw something in me, who yeah. basically he became. I, I mean, I, I actually gave work up I was when I was actually in the building trade joiner in and then this was before I actually qualified as a yoga teacher and I gave him um, my job up the joiner in and just trained for like six months full time every day uh, for my martial arts as a, when I was training for my black belt so then I had the experience of being a full-time practitioner yes. and that was another level again because I thought you know you know I, I would work and then I go to training after work I would I would do some running and stuff before work but when you're actually we, we was actually there. You got up in the morning and you went down to the gym. Yeah. And you had like, you know, it's a good couple of hours and it was like full time. It was just, it was so intense. Yeah. I remember when I used to come home in the evening, I, I was so 
exhaust. I couldn't, and sick. I couldn't even eat my tea. I had to go to bed <laughs> to, just to have a rest before I could get up and then, you know, have the energy to eat my tea. I just, I just been sick all the time, you know, because the exert. Yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you know what it's like when you, when you push yourself to the limit. Yeah. And yeah. The, but that was like, that was an experience of what it's like to do something full time. Yeah. And then again, you see, you just, all you're doing is just focusing every day on your training and this and the other with yeah. someone who's got your interest at heart. I mean, how, how lucky is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, that was absolutely magic. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, it's wonderful. <laughs> so you, you've actually given up given up your joinery twice for your, one for your martial arts and one for your yoga, Granville. So, um, th- yes, th- I d- yeah, yeah, absolutely I'm great. the joinery took a bit of a battering. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Just something you mentioned there, which, um, you know, I, I certainly do. And, and, and again, I'll give the credit to this to, to Danny because Danny got me onto this, um, starting this, but meditating. Meditation is important to you, Granville. It's part of your practice and, and your way of life, yeah? It's the, definitely the main thing. It's like when we kick off on the journey, the meditation seems way down the road because yeah. we have this different type of energy. The physical side appeals to us so much. But if you look at it like the physical side is like a scaffolding, yeah, it channels your attention. But as you kind of get more more involved in your practice, then you you, you realise then that the gains are going to happen when once you harness that that mental concentration and that mental journey, and that is the meditation. But of course, meditation has as many demands. I mean, for instance, uh, you know, we sit on the floor. You know, traditionally we sit cross-legged. Yeah. Can we do that? Having, coming from a Western background. Mm. So it takes years. It's took me years to develop the ability just to sit on the floor for a certain length of time comfortably yeah. before you can really give you, your mind yeah. totally to the practice. So, But, it, but it's, it's kind of like an end game. It is the game. It is the uh, the, the real way forward. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And um, so I think what you're kind of saying there, Granville, is, is meditating is a process sometimes you get into it and think right i can't wait for this because i want the results from it well actually doing it is the results i think is what you if i if i read you right you're saying that the actual doing of the of the practice is the end game if you like when we start off we have our preconceived ideas about how yes. to practice yes but the the practice is so profound that i don't think we really understand what it is that we're trying to do when we first kick off because we're using our mind of that particular moment yeah. to try to understand something which is being explained from somebody with a different consciousness. Say if, it, if it's like um, I like, it, like I'm a, I'm a, I follow Buddhism, so we follow the teachings of the Buddha, and yeah. we try to, with our ordinary mind, try to understand the words of an enlightened consciousness. So they actually see the world different than us. Yeah. So as we actually practice and we kind of follow good instruction, our view on it is forever changing because. We don't have the same consciousness as that person from where they where they're delivering the message. Yeah. So as we go along, our attitude, our understanding to it is forever changing because we're kind of letting go, you know, letting go of wrong wrong ideas, yeah. wrong understandings. So as those minds fall away, then we start to look at our present situation with a different consciousness yeah, because yeah. it's got different information, it's got different conditioning. So it's always until we actually become saying an enlightened being then our consciousness is always we're always going to be seeing it from a different perspective that, yeah. that's, that's my experience are you a reader granville do you read 
in the early days, I used to, that, that's the only way we could study was through reading. I mean, I got a lot of my stuff from the Central Library. I would get my, my normal literature from, from the ordinary section of the library. But then eventually they, they had a reference section. and you, the, I used to read books you couldn't even take away. You had to sign before you went into the reference section. Right. And then you had to leave the books there, you know. And that was like really deep stuff. But like as the Internet's become more more popular, I'm a great listener. Most of my studying now is from um, I download, um, you know, talks and uh, stuff and I put it on my iPhone or yeah. whatever on my, my MP3 player. And I, and I listen to stuff while I'm, while I'm commuting because I commute about three hours a day to the different classes. I live up in the mountains and yeah. I teach around Wimslow, Alderley Eds. So that's about an hour and a half. And so it's three hours both ways. So I get about a good couple of hours in each day just listen to my stuff just on the content of what you listen to do you feel guided to to different things at different times and you think oh that that grabs your interest and, it, and it's linked to that and you follow that is that how you find your your content like i said i'm following a, a buddhist path but then there's different schools of buddhism right and i've and i've kind of been into different schools of buddhism that i just thought it was just one school but then when i got involved in it you know and, and i kind of been in the schools for like 10 years in different ones you know and it's and the, 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 the clock ticks on uh, the moment I've been, I'm into, I've been following with a, uh, a Tibetan teacher, yeah, and I've and I've been kind of with him for about 16, 17 years now, and uh, that's 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 a long time. But I remember like meeting the teachings. Uh, it's called Geshe Kelsang, and I remember coming across his material 20 years ago. But it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't what I wanted meditation to be. I just couldn't identify with it. But having gone through the other Buddhist schools and kind of more understanding. And then, you know, you, you work with different things. And then I just realized that is the teaching that is dead on for me. Yeah. So um, that's what I study now. I study the uh, Tibetan school, the uh, Kadampa right. Buddhism well, with Undergesh Kelsang, yeah. That's Amazing kind, stuff. Yeah, that, that's kind of an example of um, when the student's ready, isn't it? Because you're saying at a certain point in your life, it didn't feel like it was for you. And then the teaching hadn't changed, but maybe you had to, to allow it to, to have the influence over you. Well, well, correct. That's that, that's exactly right. It's like, um, although we have um, uh, an affinity or a desire or a liking, an interest in something, maybe the actual elite level is, well, that's, that's out of my reach. You know, like imagine med- somebody being a gymnast or something and mm. seeing like, you know, Olympic gymnasts, oh, I'll never do that, you know. But a teacher just showed you the, the ABC about yeah. to do this and how to, and eventually as you, as you progress along the road, you say, well, oh, I'm doing that now. And I yeah. couldn't see, I couldn't see how I could do it like a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's very much like that because the mind needs to become conditioned. Well, it needs to be, be get used to the terminology and the outlook. It doesn't happen all at once. It, it's, yeah. it's the, it is a work in progress. Yeah. And you mentioned there, Granville, because I'm going to just talk about this because it, it does mean a lot to me. And, and, and I think probably yeah. it's a big part of your, you're like the first time when I contacted you, Grandma. This is how it went. So I, fa- um, Danny mentioned that he, you know, knew you, and, and I and I found you on the internet, and I and I rang your number, and um, you picked the phone up, and you probably won't remember this, Grandma. You may, I don't know, but and you said, "Have you got a good car?" And I didn't know what to say when you said, "Have you got a decent car?" And I think I said something like, "Well, it's okay." And, it, and you said, "Right," yeah. because what you meant was, Granville, the road up to my house is like yeah. probably going to ruin your car if it's a good car. So, yeah. um, and I didn't get what you said, but when I when I found you, I, I understood completely because you live on a moor in an isolated place with 
unbelievable beauty um, for me. I mean, it's very subjective. We all got our own definitions of beauty, and you live in this beautiful place, um, <laughs> and that was part of the joy of actually coming to visit you, as well as the the astoundingly challenging practice that that, that we you know we went through, which you know I haven't been through for, for a long time, but I've got such fond <laughs> memories of that. And um, I remember parking my car and walking past the cows and the odd horse, and and, and just to get to your to your place. So. <laughs> I think your where you live, Granville, is kind of quite synchronous with with your journey. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, um, I, I remember like um, the, my, my mindset when I when I found this place. I I was actually uh, doing Zen at the time. I was I was very much in, involved in Zen Buddhism. Where I'd studied it mainly was a place in Northumberland, and it was like a converted farmhouse. And we, and I was kind of you know, being a joint. I did a lot of the refurbishing work there. Yeah. I, I actually stayed there on a, as a, on a residency for like six months we had the coldest winter since 1947 right. it was absolutely mental the weather yeah. but when i kind of le- left there i had this i can say this aesthetic mentality you know like yoga zen I mean, it is yeah. and when i when i when i found this this pharmacy it kind of answered what i need i needed a challenge physically because i was a builder but i also needed the seclusion the fresh air and the clean water yeah and that's what i've got because we've got fresh air I have a natural spring that that you know from yeah. a water supply. I put my own sewage system in, so I don't deal with the with the pollutants that you would get in a normal city. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all clean environment, and it's just and the quietness of the place. It's yeah. just unbelievable. You know, yeah. you get up and there's just, there's just no noise apart yeah. from natural nature's noises. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you're doing your practice, you, you get used to this. Um, you get yeah. used to these natural sounds. Yeah. So yeah. and and this is where I hang out. So. If I leave here, it's almost like I choose to have noise. It's not as though I've got noise without choice because I, because I live in a noisy area. When I come home, I don't have any noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is a beautiful it's, place, and it's great for it's great for practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, I remember when you used to park up about two hundred yards from my house because and you used to leave it on the hill, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> I kind of I'd kind of um, test myself to see how far I could actually near to your house I could get Granville before I thought no, I better not go any further. Kind <laughs> <No>. of <thing. laughs> But uh, no, how wonderful. many brave people have turned back on that road? <laughs> oh, I can imagine, mate. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, great, great memories. And um, so just just so we can kind of talk about. You're teaching a little bit, Grandma. So you, you're a yeah. you're a full time yoga teacher. And um, what does your kind of teaching sphere consist of now? Is it is it all local things, or sometimes? Because I know I went down to a lovely, a, a very special weekend that you did in 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 Wales in that beautiful place in Carmarthenshire, I think it was, or Denbyshire. I can't remember which 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 county in Wales it was. But uh-huh. it was down, down St David's, it was beautiful. So do you still do that kind of thing? Uh, well, I haven't done any kind of distance right. workshops I'm, i still do yoga holidays yeah um i've been doing like in a yoga holiday about once a year yeah so i've kind of traveled around quite a bit doing those uh, but i'm in the process now of, of starting to develop the workshops again right um i think what it is is just that um because i've been deeply into my studies i, I wanted to present a new format more from a meditative point of view rather than just from a physical yoga workshop kind of point of view so um, I've just been kind of keeping keeping my head down in a way and, and working away at my own development, and then yeah. So when when I, when I start with the with the workshops again, yeah. it will be a, in a different vein. So I think that's kind of what's behind it really. I've just been changing. My so you're a real so you're a real advocate of, of following the evolutionary journey, aren't you? Because you know you've got no fear of 
allowing that evolution to occur and, and embracing it, Granville, and, and sharing that and saying, look, this is me, this is where I feel I am now, and, and, and sharing that, that's what it comes across as. You know, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I used to be big into music. I still like music, but I don't really listen to it now because, you know, because you get these jingles that go on your head. Mm. But one of my top performers was Bob Dylan. Yeah. And he, he written a song called um, Hard Rains Are Going to Fall. And I quote this to people now because it's so important, the insight that that man had. But it was like one of the lines was, I'll speak it and sing it and think it and breathe it and reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it. Yeah. And I'll stand on the ocean until I start sinking. Yeah. But I'll know my song well before yeah. I start singing. Yeah. Now, that's what you need to do. You need to know your song well before you start singing. Because I think that what's happening now, so many people are getting into the teaching game. They don't know the song well. Yeah. And the song just comes from other people's experiences. Yeah. As a practitioner, you're supposed to be the man with the experience yeah. or the lady with the experience. You've got to know your own song, then you can start singing. Yeah. So really, it's, it's, you need to be, first of all, a practitioner, and yeah. then you can become a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the world... What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree, because at the expense of being autobiographical and talking about myself, I've spent three decades doing both a combination of coaching and, and physical therapy and rehabilitation and, and, and performance uh, analysis. And, you know, you get people who sign up on the internet and they've been doing it for a year or 18 months and, and are suddenly uh, an expert, don't you, uh, Granville? Which, you know. Yeah, um, this is it. You yeah. know, but, um, you know, you can only worry about your own journey, as, as they say. So, um, are you looking at just touching on what you've just said? Is your future workshop going to be some yoga, physical yoga, and, and but more? more meditation kind of practice well i'm just actually organizing my first meditation workshop right which is going to be in the new year right. and that's just purely meditation from the point of view where we engage everybody to express themselves so there's dialogue which is not just me sat there and dictating yeah but to encourage people to challenge and to investigate because if you don't have the ability to ask questions and investigate, then it's just like you can swap one belief system for another and not really understanding either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I like about the, the, the Kirampa Buddhism is that it's very heavily based on personal experience and investigation and analysis. So we don't just take things on first base value. So you become very analytical. So basically it kind of, some of have to be pretty sharp to pull one over on you yeah. because you're, you're really developing your intellect, your reasoning power. Yes. And uh, yeah. I think that has been not very well developed in my early years because I didn't really, I was, it, it wasn't the way we, we, we learned, we wasn't really encouraged to do that. No, no, no. But uh, since I got into Kadampa Buddhism, it's a very, very strong factor. And it wasn't, it's not my natural way of doing things, although I do have kind of an interest in science, which is investigation. But now to actually think of a meditation where you're not just going to sit down and expect to be blissed out, when you're actually having to investigate, ask questions about the path. Yeah. That's the way of intelligence. That's the way to go forward. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's, the, that's, that's education. That's the way you've got to do it, really. But, and very, that's what the Buddha encouraged. Right. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> no, absolutely, Granville. Phenomenally interesting. Just uh, It's enormous, isn't it? Yeah, just to hear your take on, on that. And it's lovely lovely for me to know that i've kind of 
in the years that I've known you to have that, to see you evolve or you know you're still the same person to me but you but you you know the way you talk about it it's obvious that you know you are a growth person in terms of your own evolution and you're not somebody who sits down and thinks it's all over and you know you just sit here and wait for wait for the lord and master kind of thing you you've got <laughs> such an intriguing question asking personality which probably is at the forefront of you know the cutting edge of of evolution if or you know at least personally for you um the questions that you ask yeah i think so yeah because if we just sit back and try to get somebody else to educate us you know we'll only ever learn what that other person's got but we'll only ever become like a mimicker yeah you'll never be our actual personal experience yeah you only need a certain amount of information and once you've kind of got it you can extrapolate and you can elaborate on the on, on what you've learned but if you don't develop that investigation yeah. and that weight, that reasoning power, yeah. you're kind yeah. of at the mercy of other people, really, yeah. aren't you? That's, that's to me, Granville, what you're saying there, exactly what Emerson said in, in some of his essays on like self-reliance and, and, and things like that, when he was just saying, you know, speak your own truth and stand up and be heard and be proud of your own truth and don't worry about what anybody else thinks because mm. ultimately it is your truth. Now, whether anybody else follows it or not, it's irrelevant mm. because it is your truth. And I think what you're saying is that grasp and embrace what is real to you and, and, and don't be fearful of following the mm. crowd kind of thing. One of the study uh, lessons that I'm undergoing at the moment, the topic was, was kind of around about reason. Yeah. And it's like if we cling to a way of seeing things, then when we meet somebody with opposing views, yeah, it's going to be an argument. It's going to be. It's going to be a fight because I'm not going to let go of my views. That person's not going to let go of their views. So it's almost like we have to be prepared to let go of their views yeah. and to listen to reason. Yeah. And if something sounds reasonable, then that can then and be open to letting that reason affect the way we think. Because then, if someone's reasonable, we can all go forward. Yes. But if someone's bigoted and clinging to their belief even though it's obviously incorrect yeah that's a war start that's yeah. a fight start yeah and and i found that i i've had a very strong tendency to be like that is like my way or the highway but i've learned that to be more reasonable and not to cling so much to yeah. my views yeah and listen to reason yeah and then to let my views be influenced by reason not to let go of my views because of it They've took me to a certain distance. Yes. But when you're studying, those views are going to change. Yeah. And I think we just have to be open to change. And it's a bit scary, actually, yeah. because then we, we, we start letting go in of, of the method that's worked for us. It's, it seems to have been working for us. Yeah. But we want to go higher. We want to go deeper. Yeah, yeah. And that means letting go, of, letting yeah. go of what we were doing now because we want something new. Yeah. And, and this is part of it as well, big style. There's another great phrase in there, uh, Granville, that, that I, I hear so often and, and is gr easy to hear but difficult to do, and that is letting go, isn't it? The term letting yeah. go, I think yeah. people think we need to get more knowledge, and you've already just said, well, actually, you only need a little bit of knowledge to survive, and maybe it's more about what you let go of than what you gain mm. and hang on to, maybe. I don't know. I think yeah. it's a little bit of both, isn't it? It's, yeah. uh, but there's so much to understand. Yeah. If we're not prepared to loosen our grip on what we feel like we understand at the moment, the cup can't, you can't put any more information into the cup. It's yeah, just yeah. full. It's that example, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. the cup's full. Yeah, yeah you know, it's overflowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. Granville, listen, I'm, I'm, 
I've kept you on the phone for the best part of an hour, and I'm very conscious of that. And um, we've covered some beautiful little topics here, mate. And and I, and I, I really hope that the listenership can really take some some things out of that. What I'd like to do is just kind of come to bring it to a close, so that um, I can let you get on with your day. But just as a couple of things, I'm look if I had a couple of questions to to finish off with, and then you can kind of tell the listeners where if anybody's interested in yoga or your workshops where they can find out about you um what would you say has been your biggest challenge in your life granville what's the thing that's challenged you the most i think the biggest challenge was to follow your own heart right to follow what you feel is the right thing to do even even though other people may be opposed to it right and accept the consequence of making that decision yeah and without you don't have to take but is that because of personal experience where you've been through that process where you knew that this was felt like it was the right path for you and but there was opposition from other significant people well even the yoga world we're working with people who i consider it towards each other you know we have different views we have friends and maybe their views are not the same as our views yeah so you're likely to lose people on the way you know, it's not as though we, we all kick off as in one happy gang. No. And we all go and arrive at the destination no. together, shake hands and drink and get, you know. It yeah. doesn't work like no. that, does it? No. It's like, you know, some, some people go one direction and you feel, well, that's not for me. And you have to go in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. So we just have to kind of, they say, play your own, play your own tro- uh, feel, right. don't they? Mm. Or your own furrow or something. Because you can't follow others. No. If you find that what you're doing isn't working and there's a flaws with it yeah. then be prepared to turn around and be, be prepared to admit well i was wrong or whatever but was you really wrong at least you investigated it yeah and you found out for yourself yeah it's like somebody saying well don't bother crossing the road because all these traffic and you might get, well you got to learn you got to learn the highway code you know the simple yeah. things and then if, if you find that you don't you don't like yeah. you, you don't like that then Stay yeah. home, but yeah, at least, no, if, at least you know what the roads are like. You know, yeah. no, that, you've got to have life experience. Yeah, that's a beautiful lesson, Granville, and it's a great <laughs> one just to uh, follow your own heart. I love that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of let you go with that. So, Granville, listen, okay. first, thank you ever so much for your time. It, it, it's such a lovely thing to hear your voice personally, and um, you know, en- anybody else who, who who's out there who's got an interest um, in, in yoga, you know, Granville's been been an inspiration to me. So, Granville, if anybody's interested in your work and and what you do, where can they? find out about you are you you've got a website yeah and uh, my website is a uh, yoga with granville.com uh it's a little bit out of date at the moment but um at least you, you've got my contact details my email address and my phone number is, are on there yeah so uh yeah so I'm, i welcome inquiries so get in touch if you want to if you want to chat or if you want information about what i'm up to brilliant no that's brilliant and if anybody is has got any interest in pursuing yoga you know from a from a serious point of view you know i, I can't personally recommend granville enough and uh granville i mean that most sincerely you um oh, thank you know you, you, you you're the time that i spent with you i haven't forgotten a minute of it mate it was special from the start to the finish so um you know and i really mean that so folks if uh, you know you want to you want to find out about it then you've got obviously got the details so granville listen mate thank you ever so much for your time and um hopefully when i'm back in the uk we will meet again at some point and um you know we can we can catch up but thanks ever so much and i do appreciate your time mate well thanks for inviting me on on the show and uh yeah rob we'll bump into each other again 